lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace with Totters and Aaron McIntyre coming up on today's program. We are going to discuss for fake news or not. Pew Research put out its annual survey for journalists on their thoughts on the issues of the day, as well as the state of journalism. And for the first time ever, yours truly was invited to participate in this survey. And as I go through the questions, it it dawned on me that I think I might have a lot of the same answers as the corporate media people that typically make up the survey sample in a survey like this, just for completely opposite reasons. You know what I'm saying? Just like, I I think we both agree that it's dangerous for how little people trust what's being reported and the information being given to them. Like I would have answered affirmatively on that, right? But I would have done so under the precedent that the other people filling out this survey caused it, caused that distrust to happen by their previous and ongoing actions I'm not sure the Taylor Lorenzes no. of the world maybe see it no. quite that way. They have that gift from The Simpsons where Principal Chalmers said, that's the children who are the problem. Yes, indeed. So we will go through that survey for fake news or not and take a look at how I answered compared to what some of the uh, the majority opinions were within that survey. Because it might tell us a lot that, frankly, we probably already know about American media culture. Saney hijinks will ensue. Indeed. Also for Pop Culture Tuesday... I mentioned this on Friday and ask and ye shall receive a fairly substandard opening for the Buzz Lightyear film for a brand new film, particularly with the Pixar branding behind it to not debut as the number one movie is always a bad sign. Projections for this film were already about half with the last Toy Story movie opened up with. And then it didn't even come close to meeting those projections. And of course, everyone is mystified. Why more people, you know, when it's so hot out, the cows are dying on the side of the road. Sheep too. Did you see that? Sheep as well. Animals just rolling over, dying. Completely spontaneously, of course, because of the heat and lo and behold here is the most profitable franchise of family films of all time with a new iteration you would think let's get out of this heat so we're not dying next to the cows and sheep and go see buzz not so much why we will discuss and and something we'll discuss within that discussion Clay Travis over at OutKick is reporting today that Disney's stock price has now reached a devaluation level that puts it on par with early 2015, January of 2015 to be exact. That is almost eight years, seven and a half years worth of stock devaluation. And yet, there's no turning back. Disney allowed this film to be banned in 14 countries just so it can have a lesbian kiss at the end. That means nothing at all except everything. 
to them. And I think we have to come to grips with the fact that natural... See, this is how you know it's not a pander. If it was a pander, eventually the natural laws of economics and politics take over. You you reach a point of diminishing returns. And it's just not worth... The grift isn't worth it anymore. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. Netflix came to that realization a couple of months ago. But with Disney soldier on and this is why i use the phrase spirit of the age because what we're dealing with here is religious level conviction we'll get into all of that for pop culture tuesday here at the end of the show we will also at the bottom of this hour you know we ask ourselves a lot as we watch the southern baptist convention a completely unravel uh, just just self unravel under a false choice of church of trump versus uh, no church, just doctrines of demons. No sola scriptura in there to be found whatsoever. We'll talk to a pastor who actually gets it here at the bottom of the hour, and he's trying to reach other pastors as well before it's too late. I'm also trying to reach you about your glasses before it's too late. Make sure you check out our friends, <clears throat> pardon me, or check out our friends over at Better Spectacles where they can help you with the handcrafted, German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear. Some of the best frames, if not the best frames on the planet, available now for the first time industry-wide, and even for the problematic prescriptions like I have where I'm a little bit far, I'm a little bit near, that's happening more and more as we spend more and more of our days looking at these screens all day long as a, as work, jo- and, and, you know, infotainment, entertainment, etc. If that's you, or if you've got you know, a regular prescription. You just want cooler glasses. Uh, they can help you with our friends over at Better Spectacles. We recently upgraded my wife over to Better Spectacles. She could not believe how much better she could see with their technology. If you want to try it now, 61% off their Ghost Spec lenses. Plus, you get that German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear. They throw that in for free with this deal to get you started. Free Rodenstock frames. That's what uh, Ronald Reagan wore back in the day. Free Rodenstock frames plus 61% off the ghost spec lenses when you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, that's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. So now you're updated on what's coming up on the show here later today. Let us begin as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Eternal Father Strong to Save. That's the title of the Naval Hymn. The Naval History website says it's had a, quote, long and special appeal to seafaring men. But don't assume the Eternal Father's or the seafaring men's gender or pronouns, because this is a video produced by that same United States Navy. Hi, my name is Johnny, and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I'm Kanchi, and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name, and it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm someone's identity. It is a signal of acceptance and respect. They go on for multiple minutes waxing unpoetic about pronouns. Actor Ben Stiller is the latest VIP to travel to Ukraine and meet with actor-in-chief Vladimir Zelensky. Of course, as Kat Heard pointed out on Twitter, Stiller has always been a great judge of character, as you can see over and over and over again. Kamala Gook update. 
We all sat and watched the Ketanji Brown-Jackson uh, hearings. What did you think when you watched that hearing? I will tell you, Joy, I experienced great joy. And I watched that with incredible joy because it was just brilliance being displayed for the entire country to see. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. According to an exclusive report at the Epoch Times, plainclothes police officers were indeed embedded among the January 6th protesters last year. The officers were part of an electronic surveillance unit, part of the Metro Police Department, and were there for the sole purpose of shooting video and documenting the events for law enforcement. The report adds more fuel to the fire regarding the notion that law enforcement of all types played a larger role in instigating and encouraging the events at the Capitol that day. We're starting to get some of the first glimpses from inside Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. From when that mass shooting went down, images show officers arriving at the school within 10 minutes of the first report of a shooter with more firepower and protection, as you can see here, than originally revealed. Officers still waited almost an hour to breach the classroom where a gunman had slaughtered over 20 people, most of them children. The Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services just made the decision to exempt any officials hired to enforce their vaccine mandates for hospitals from the vaccine mandate. According to Gallup, the public's sentiment about the economy is at its worst point in any midterm election since they started tracking that metric. The second worst was 2010 under Barack Obama when Democrats lost 63 seats in the House. The country of Israel is heading for their fifth election in three years as Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, along with de facto co-Prime Minister Yair Lapid, attempt to salvage their crumbling coalition government. Checking in on the Florida gubernatorial race, as Giancarlo Sopo on Twitter points out, the English version of the online store for Democrat gubernatorial candidate Charlie Crist's website features many different varieties of Pride Month trinkets for sale. Again, that's the English version. The Spanish version, however, does not... Make of that what you will. Speaking of Florida, after Ron DeSantis went after Disney, apparently producers at Pixar decided to reinstate a once-deleted LGBT kissing scene from the new Pixar film Lightyear. That film, for Pixar's standards, bombed at the box office over the weekend. Also over the weekend, these lovely ladies showed up outside Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett's house. So now that you put these outfits on, does it make you feel any kind of way? It makes me feel terrified. But also powerful and like we're, we're doing something important because this is how a lot of women, this is what a lot of women are going through. People are actually dying and bleeding out because they can't get a safe abortion. For those of you listening, the women are holding baby dolls while their hands are bound, some sort of symbolic message or something. And finally, a day in the life of a radical left birthing unit. So today we're taking my daughter for gender reassignment surgery because she likes wearing blue and playing with trucks. First, I thought we'd stop by the drag bar with my precious, impressionable kids. I asked my daughter if she wanted to wear her seatbelt, but she said no, so I respect her choice. Then I took a hot second to be mad about being pregnant. Like, consent to unprotected sex does not mean consent to pregnancy. But shout out to Justin for his carbon tax that gave us this right here. My daughter wouldn't hold my hand in the parking lot, but her body, her choice. And then I put on my seatbelt to protect the other drivers on the road. And that's what happened while we were away. Perfect. That's just absolutely perfect. That that's that is 
perfectly congruent with the insanity on parade by the spirit of the age every single day in this culture. Perfect. Because Romans 1 is where we live. Aaron's montage is brought to you by our friends at realestateagentsitrust.com in these unprecedented times. Uh, Make sure if you are going into the real estate market, uh, especially given the current state of things, uh, last year at this time, actually no, it was November, even earlier. November of last year, interest rates on a 30-year fixed mortgage were like 3.2% or something. They're like 6.5 or something now. Okay. Is that is that worthy of an unprecedented time? Bing. Yes, indeed, it is. Uh, make sure you've got an agent that can help you navigate that process successfully. And you'll get one because through Real Estate Agents I Trust, no one gets listed there unless they've got a verified track record of success. So before you get involved anywhere you want to move to or get away from, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. In the overtime today... For Blaze TV subscribers, which we will record right after today's show at blazetv.com slash dace. We are going to discuss the only person on this planet right now playing 4D chess. Been a lot of bravado about 4D chess the last few years. And we used to say on our show, it does not exist. We will now amend that statement. It does. Vladimir Putin is the only person on earth right now playing 4D chess. Germany has to go into its emergency stockpile for natural gas because Russia's cut off half their supply, cut off half of France's supply. The Russian ruble is now trading at its highest rate since before Trump became president, which, if you do the math, means that the guy that was allegedly beholden to Putin because of a P-tape was worse for his economy than the last two bookend Democrat Putin hawk presidents that both preceded and succeeded Donald Trump. Do I have that right? Yes. And and Ukraine is in such peril, Ben Stiller could take time out from keeping the open secret of Harvey Weinstein to visit Zelensky because apparently they've worked their way down to C-list celebrities now. And we'll discuss all of that today in the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers, which you can subscribe to Blaze TV for just 10 bucks a month if you go to blazetv.com slash dace d-e-a-c-e and that's also where you can go later today if you're already a blaze tv subscriber you'll be able to watch it there later today at blaze tv.com slash dace so uh, a couple of quick points in the montage and then i want to get to something that i want to spend a little bit more time on um never in a million years would i voluntarily enlist in an armed service that produced that video. Never. Or recommend anybody I care about, anybody I know, anybody I love. Never in a million years would I say, go fight and die for that. Go fight and die with that. That's the point, isn't it? I think that yeah. is Lord Nefarious's point. Yes. That's, that, he's, Lord Nefarious owns you with a video like that. He's laughing. He is laughing. Just openly take your institutions and just go from even turning them against you to being antagonistic to now openly propagandist. Openly. And I hope you taught your kids Chinese and Arabic. 
they're all going to need it. If this were a Sophocles play, if Sophocles were writing a Greek tragedy about the Uvalde Police Department, we'd be way past the ending now where everyone goes ahead and takes the hemlock in order to spare their families any further shame. So this is, again, where those of us who got into this as conservatives and come from a a time period that certain rules of engagement were, were established and we inherited Our default was we're pro-military. Our default was defend the police. That that was our default when we were growing up, right? Those were were our institutions. The commie, pinko-lib Democrats were anti-cop and, you know, and surrender to the Soviet Union, right? Right. You need to know, just like we say our politicians need to know what time it is, we need to know what time it is. You are living through a full-level collapse of a culture now. And I don't say that to be provocative any more than when a weatherman tells you run for your basement. There was a funnel cloud spotted a mile away is, is being provocative. He's warning you. He's just looking at atmospheric conditions. He's looking at the video evidence of a funnel cloud touching ground and saying that's why we issued the tornado warning and hit the sirens and you should, you know, take cover. I'm just doing the same thing. You're living through a full scale cultural decline. Managed decay economically, societal implosion spiritually and culturally. You're living through it now. Prepare accordingly. And analyze accordingly. Don't stand there like Mitch McConnell. Your crane is the most important issue. It's not 1986. Hell, man, it's not even 2016. Okay. We don't have any institutions aligned with us right now. There's not a single institution in this culture, church included. Didn't I just start off talking about the Southern Baptist Convention? Can't figure out if it's a Trump super PAC or if it's just going to give itself over to the super, the spirit of the age. You did. Yeah. No institution, the church included, no institution in this current cultural devolution gets your benefit of the doubt or you're just a naive fool drunk on nostalgia. Period. That's it. That's the that's the analysis. That is the statement. CMS exempting its own officials who are enforcing its jab mandate from the jab mandate itself is not hypocrisy. A couple of years ago, I thought Eric Erickson had the best line of that period of time and you will be made to care. So I've always tried to make sure to give him credit, even though a lot of you kept giving me credit for it. And I kept saying I didn't come up with that line. <laughs> All right. Accordingly, this is not my line. Christina Pushaw, who works for Ron DeSantis, this is her line. Give her the credit for it. It's not hypocrisy. It is hierarchy. You are a plebe. This is, you may think this is for your suffering, but it is your salvation. Count it all joy to suffer for their name. Consider yourself blessed to be in the presence of such blind guides and broods of vipers and whitewashed tombs. 
You are here to be grist for their mill. Open up, say ah, take every last morsel of it down, and then say, thank you, sir. May I have another? But you updated your concealed carry permit, so it's okay. But this is what I really want to get to. Charlie Crist in Florida offering two distinct messages to a Spanish-speaking group and an English-speaking group. And I have been saying this for as long as this microphone has been in front of my face. I, I, I said this my entire local radio career on WHO in Des Moines. I have said this, I can't tell you how many times. Well, Republicans were out nominating Michael Steele to be party chairman. And what was his line, if I recall, that they were going to reach, they were going to do outreach to everybody, even midgets or something, I think mm-hmm. he said. Which, by the way, if you know me, I'm all for outreach to midgets. That notwithstanding, however, um, I'm going to reiterate something that I've been right about my entire career. And not to crow about it, but because this is information you need to know. Why would Charlie Crist exempt pride indoctrination, pride godlessness from his Spanish-speaking campaign store, but then offer it up to the English-speaking store? Why? Well, it's the same reason I've said this my entire career, because I was involved in the fights for marriage amendments across the country and covered them at the time. There's a reason why Barack Obama got 60% of the popular vote on Election Day 2008, the same day that the marriage proposition passed statewide in California, and got more votes than any Republican had ever gotten in the history of the state, except for Ronald Reagan during one of his gubernatorial runs. In 2012, even as we were losing steam on the issue, marriage amendments still outperformed Mitt Romney on the ballot in Maryland and Minnesota considerably. Why? Why? Why, why, why? Because minorities are per capita more socially conservative than whites. And so a whole lot of brown and black people that were going to vote for Barack Obama in 2008 in California, while they were there, voted for marriage. And a whole bunch of people, brown and black people in Minnesota and Milwaukee, or I'm sorry, Minnesota and Maryland, who were going to vote for Barack Obama in 2012, voted also for marriage. Which means, you know, all this talk, all these years... The lies they told you about immigration. We talked about that. We reset that now with the with what happened in Texas 34 last week. Right. The great lie that you've been told from your own party, if you're a Republican, your whole life about immigration, that none of the data justifies. Seven of the 10 presidential elections prior to the Reagan amnesty in 1986, Republicans won the state of California. If you're Aaron's age, that just can't even seem real to you, does it? No. That just seems like an alter, like that was like Earth 47. That just didn't happen here. Steve's doing multiverse string theory for political analysis. No, that happened. Seven of the 10 presidential elections prior to the Reagan amnesty in 86, Republicans won California. Since the Reagan amnesty in 86, they won it one time in 88, and a handful of times since then did not even get 40% of the popular vote statewide. Amnesty does nothing to help you. It only hurts. 
It's a voter drive for Democrats and that it drives down your wages at the same time. There is no and never has been any electoral benefit to pimping amnesty if you're a Republican ever, 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 ever. It's all been a lie to manipulate you. You heard it a ton of times on Fox News over the years. Here's another one. I remember, I remember speaking of Fox News, I remember Chairman Rupert Murdoch writing on Twitter that the key to Mitt Romney winning in 2012 was to abandon his fake pro-marriage stance. Why was it fake? Because he's the author of gay marriage, guys. He created it in America. He unilaterally enforced the Supreme Court ruling in Goodrich in Massachusetts against the Massachusetts Constitution's explicit wording handwritten by John Adams himself. He's the father of it. He gave it to us. But Rupert Murdoch said in 2012, went on Twitter and said, the key to Romney winning the election is to abandon marriage and embrace marriage equality. Another just lie. Just lie. And all this talk, all these years about how we have to, the autopsy of 2012, we basically have to become state of, state of Oregon and state of Pacific Northwest Democrats. Low taxes and Sodom, low tax Sodom and Gomorrah. That was what, that was Ritz's uh, autopsy in 26, after 2012. We had to become Oregon and Washington State. Low tax Sodom and Gomorrah. That was the key. Otherwise, we would just have a bunch of white people vote for us. And yet, and yet, here's Charlie Crist. Think, I don't, he's going to get slaughtered this fall, but he's won a statewide election yeah. in the state of Florida, right? Think he might know a thing or two about what the audiences and the demographics in Florida might be? Probably. Think he knows more about it than you and I do? Probably. And who's he marketing the Sodom and Gomorrah to? Huh. Not the minorities, but to the white people. The path to reaching minorities has always been the culture war issues, the very social conservatism that the Republican Party for two decades prior to Trump has tried to jettison and say it wants no part of. The whole idea of a socially liberal, fiscal conservative voter does not exist. It's like 2%. If you analyze it, and I have because I get paid to do things like that, it's like 2 to 3% of the electorate. It's just most of them worked at Fox News or are GOP consultants. But they don't actually exist in places like Iowa or Michigan or Florida or anywhere else that you need to swing from blue to red. Because a lot of what you've been given on the right for political analysis was nothing other than straight up lies and propaganda from the GOP's Overton window to keep you backed into a corner. To make you think, no one else thinks like me. I'm the only one. It's been, it was specifically devised to disempower you. The person watching all their shows, buying all their books, listening to all their programs. They specifically did this. They Pfizered you. They, they did this. To take the motility out of your sperm. To make you less productive and reproductive. To depopulate you. That's the greatest analogy. And so that, that you would just done. be trained to show up on election day like a good little plebe. Vote straight R and then go back home. And let the grown-ups run the show. This has been a lie all along. 
And for all the times he has frustrated me greatly, I owe Donald Trump an eternal debt of gratitude and that would not have been the guy I thought would have picked, frankly, from central casting, the guy who voted for plan or who, who, who donated to Planned Parenthood and Al Sharpton before. But if there's anything that Donald Trump has proven, it is that taking incendiary positions from the right on culture war issues is actually successful. And Republicans knew this all along, and they could have done it this entire time, and then they didn't. Why? Because they hate you. That's why this time two years ago, they were also like, well, you know, maybe the police are racist, and maybe, you know, BLM has a point. They hate you. The only people that hate you more than Democrats are Republicans. This has been a lie from the beginning. And it's no coincidence now, as their borders are totally overrun... And their communities are totally overrun by every cultural, societal ill you can imagine that now these historically border Hispanic counties want to run from Democrats now and run towards Republicans. They could have been making these arguments all along. They just didn't want to. They didn't want to give in to you. They didn't want to prove you right because they hate you. So we were just referencing as an aside how interest rates on a 30-year mortgage have doubled since the fourth quarter of last year. And I know for a long time you guys have been listening to me tell you about ScoreMaster. And if you've never taken advantage of it, maybe it's just kind of white noise to you now. But man, (laughs) when when mortgage rates are doubling in six plus months, you got to make sure you're getting every every ounce out of your credit rating that you can get to get the absolute best rating that you can get. We took advantage, used a ScoreMaster last year as part of our arsenal uh, to prepare to get an obscenely low interest rate for our refi last October, and it worked, and we did get an obscenely low rate. Right now, man, you need all the help you can get. I mean, at, at the rate that things are going and escalating, make sure you have maximized your credit score with ScoreMaster. Here's how it works. They, they give you, plainly and transparently, the information you need to know exactly why you have the score your credit bureau or credit card is telling you you have. And then if you decide to sign up, after they show you, hey, here's how, you know, how many points we think we can add to your score, they'll walk you through exactly how to get to the score that you want. So find out exactly why you have the score you do and exactly how to get to the score you want. All right. When you go to scoremaster.com slash Steve, again, that's scoremaster.com slash Steve. There was an interesting story the other day over in the Epic Times about a group of pastors Uh, seeking to go next level in terms of cultural impact, given the Romans 1 is real life that is called where we live today in uh, America. And that brings us to an old friend of the show, Pastor Paul Blair is with Liberty Church in Orlando, Florida. And it is good to have you back on the show, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. Good to talk with you. Thanks for having me on. Good, always good to talk to you, Paul. Tell us, remind our audience again a little bit of your story, as, as it says on your website, from the gridiron to the gospel. Tell us a little bit about your story again. Well, I played at Oklahoma State actually under a coach you might have heard of him named Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, I know a little he bit about him. Yeah, some 
<laughs> went on to some he was okay. the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Did okay for himself. And played alongside guys like Thurman Thomas, and we had some great teams there at Oklahoma State. And then I was drafted, even though I failed my uh, NFL Combine Camp physical, uh, the Bears still decided to take a chance with me, and I was drafted in the fourth round by the defending Super Bowl champions and spent five years in the league, but played alongside greats like uh, Walter Payton and Mike Singletary and uh, Jim McMahon and played under Iron Mike Ditka. Uh, I had to retire and after 1990. Uh, due to a, just a broken body, and I'm still suffering the uh, benefits of playing football even today. But I got called into ministry at the age of 37 and recognized the role that Christians are to play in the culture. And quite frankly, pastors are to be making disciples. And we're really doing a sorry job of it, obviously, as you look around. But uh, for the last 21 years, I've been the senior pastor of what's called Fairview Baptist Church or Liberty Church now in Edmond. And, of course, we have a satellite in Orlando called Liberty Orlando. And we have started these Liberty Pastor training camps. And we've trained over a 1,000 pastors now in comprehensive biblical worldview. And we've seen some just dynamic, dramatic testimonies from these guys. And we have four upcoming conferences between now and November, which, by the way, is my next shoulder surgery. So I had elbow surgery two weeks ago, and I got shoulder surgery in November. And I'm trying to fit these conferences in between. <laughs> So I think this is vital, Paul, because I, I mentioned at the top of the show what's going on right now. And I, I don't I'm, I, I go to a non-denominational church, but but I am obviously very keenly interested in what happens with the Southern Baptist Convention because it's the most it's the largest, most influential collection of evangelicals in America, which obviously, no matter what uh, your spiritual beliefs are, certainly has an impact on how on, you know what happens to America on a cultural level at the very least. And watching this thing from afar, just from a PR standpoint, look like it's just disintegrating. And it's, and it's disintegrating kind of over, are you as MAGA as me? And hey, look, man, I thought pre-COVID Trump was a very good president, and I thought they stole the last election. But no politician, I don't care if it's George Washington, is a plumb line for the efficacy of a church, Okay. Uh, or so are you as MAGA as me or are you as woke as me? Meaning will you just completely adopt heterodoxy? Will you just completely give yourself over to the spirit of the age and abandon the gospel altogether? And so there's a lot of discussion about how MAGA are you and how woke are you? And I'm like, you know, where's the knockdown drag out fight about how sola scriptura are you? Where's that at? Am I wrong in that? Is that too simplistic of an analysis of what's happening here? Steve, the Christianity we see in America is foreign to what the Bible talks about. We have actually gone down the path of a form of Gnosticism in America, where we have compartmentalized our lives. And we have our spiritual box, which gets smaller day by day. And those are the few things we can talk about in church. And then we have our secular lives, which gets larger day by day. And the list of things we can't talk about in church or from a scriptural perspective. Well, we attempt to blow that out of the water with our Liberty Pastors camps. We ask these guys right at the outset, what part of your life is Jesus not the Lord over? And then we follow that up hmm. with, those are the only things that you're not supposed to talk about in church. But being a Christ follower, being a Christian, obviously begins when you come face to face with the resurrected Lord and you cry out to him as the Lamb of God for your salvation. But that's just the beginning of your life's journey. We're supposed to be following Christ or followers of Christ in every area of our lives. 
So our economics, how we handle money, how we function as a family, our integrity as a businessman, our ethics as an employee, our sexual proclivities, and quite frankly, our political parties. You can't tell me you're following Jesus when you are a party to or party of uh, a group that wants to murder babies in the womb, uh, redefine marriage to where it means nothing, uh, condone all sorts of what the Bible calls sin sexually, promote theft and covetousness, which is the foundation of Marxism. You can't tell me you're following Christ in your life unless you are actually following Christ in your life. And even in the Southern Baptist, all of these denominations, we do a great job of sending young men to seminary, yet we eisegete rather than exegete. Hmm. We, we drill into them certain proof texts that defend the way we look at the Scripture rather than honestly and openly looking at the Scripture and reading it beginning in Genesis 1 and ending in Revelation 22 and letting it, it speak to us and command us as opposed to us telling the Bible what it's supposed to say. Hmm. So somebody's listening right now, Paul, and they're a pastor. And they're like, all right, I want to learn more about this. Uh, I'm interested in this, but uh, because this also, even if I decided to go down this road, could be a difficult transition for my for my congregation they may not be used to this and so how do we implement this effectively and but oh by the way we've got a you know um we've got the worst economy we've had in 40 years in the country i don't know that i can add on another uh, you know conference or trip kind of answer those challenges and questions for people about how you guys are going to try to make this as accessible and affordable for people as you can well we invite guys and there's no strings attached we invite them to come and join us. We've got one conference upcoming in St. Louis at the beautiful Chase Park. We've got one in Austin at beautiful Barton Creek. We've got one in Tulsa at the Tulsa Marriott. And then we've got one at the Coeur d'Alene Resort at the end of this fall uh, as, as we close these things up. Go to libertypastors.com or libertypastors.org. These are three days, uh, most of them three days. One in Austin is only two nights. I, I apologize for that. But these are 99 bucks is all it costs a pastor. Each of these trips are at luxury resorts. We cover three nights hotel and six meals, hmm. all the other expenses. Uh, and it's subsidized. And, and literally each trip is about a 14 or $1,500 trip, only costs the pastor $99. They gotta have a little bit of skin in the game. They gotta show they really care a little bit. And they have a great time of fellowship for three days with other pastors. They have a second honeymoon, and that's what we want them to have with their wives. And their wives need to be in these conferences, because as you just alluded to, if these guys are going to possibly change their ministries in any way and run the risk of getting fired, but let me say what we've seen is churches explode that have implemented this. Their congregations are hungry for some shepherding in the middle of this storm, but they want their wives with them. And these guys, because it's a $99 trip, they commit to 20 hours of first-class quality education on biblical worldview, and we focus on civil government and economics. There's a lot of other things that we can cover. And then we teach them a little bit about the Great Reset. We teach them a little bit about the COVID hoax, which of course you are an expert on. Uh, we teach them a little bit about critical race theory and some of these things. Then we give them a, just a few practical steps to implement right away, very simple. And then if they want to get want to work with us, it's their choice. We literally have an altar call. And if you're familiar with the story of the Patriot pastor, Peter Muhlenberg, 
that took off his robe, and underneath he had a colonel's uniform uh, for the Continental Army. And he walked to the back of his church, kicked open the doors, and outside they had an enlistment station prearranged with the drummer boy and the rapid roll of the drum, and he challenged the men of Woodstock to sign up, and they became the 8th Virginia Cavalry. Well, the last thing we do, Dr. Rick Scarborough preaches a challenging message, and then we have an option. If they want to participate with us, they come to the front, and they literally sign the parchment, and they join up, and then we work together as brothers in arms, shoulder to shoulder. We don't try to pastor each other's churches, but we're there to lean on each other, but we train these guys, and then we walk with them. And as I said, we've had some phenomenal testimonies of changes that have taken place. We have focused heavily on Florida and Texas, and we've seen some some very strong evidence that we've made a big difference uh, in those two states. Well, one of the speakers at this series, folks, is Matt Staber. Of course, if you watch this show, listen to the podcast, you're familiar with Matt. I've known Matt for years with Liberty Council. No coincidence, um, he was the first of the big-name conservative Legal Beagles, Legal Foundations. He was the first to get into the arena to take on COVID Stan. He was the first. So I, I'm, that's not a coincidence at all that he would be one on, among your circuit of speakers that you guys have for these events. One more time, Paul, let people know how they can get involved in this. Pastors around the country. Uh, and again, you, you can't make it any more affordable for as... Uh, as good of a treat as this is, as, as well as a weekend away, as you mentioned. So again, how, how can people sign up around the country if there are pastors? I get emails from them all the time asking for resources. So how can they sign up? Go to libertypastors.com or libertypastors.org. We own both those domain names. All the information is there. You can sign up there on Eventbrite. Only costs you $99. If you've got a, a, a parishioner that's listening, you want to send your pastor then you sign him up and you give that to him as a gift and buy his airline ticket or pay for his gasoline. But again, Steve, the, the, we, the most heard word we hear from pastors after this is you have transformed my ministry. The, 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 the scales have fallen off my eyes. Mm. And that's from guys that came only for the free trip. They didn't intend in getting involved. But, you know, when you hear truth, it resonates and it convicts. And God willing, and we'll see uh, 400 more pastors by the end of this fall that have been trained and engaging the culture for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Keep doing that work, man. Appreciate you. All right. God bless. Thank you, Steve. God bless you guys. You bet. This portion of the show, providentially enough, brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Mobile. I didn't plan it that way. It was just the... Next thing on my list, uh, Patriot Mobile uh, gives you an opportunity to do something you don't have an opportunity to do a lot these days in America, and that is to do business with people that don't hate you uh, in a way that we kind of all have to these days. It's really hard to function in modern America without a mobile phone. Uh, thankfully, Patriot Mobile gives you the opportunity to do that, uh, but with a company that supports your values and supports the same causes that you do. And you won't see any net loss of coverage because everybody pretty much uses the exact same towers these days. They even throw in extra incentives. If you're a veteran or first responder, they've got more savings for you as a way of saying thank you uh, for your service to the country. For everybody else, you can get a free activation right now if you use my first name, Steve, as your offer code. When you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, again, that's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. I know it sounds like it's going to be a hassle. That's why our family put it off. We talked about Patriot Mobile on the show for years before we finally, uh, you know, 
hunkered down and made the switch. And we did it last fall and haven't looked back. And they made it with their with their customer service team. They made it as seamless as possible. All right. So patriotmobile.com slash Steve, where you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Thoughts on the conversations we just had, uh, or the conversation we just had with Paul Blair? Well, what he's trying to do is help a group of men once again have the potential when called upon to be the black-robed regimen that Steve has so often uh, told you about. Uh, Which is a direct historical reference. That's what they called themselves. That's what the Redcoats referred to them as. The influence, uh, that's what the crown, I mean, Mm -hmm. the the influence of the pastors in stirring up the people towards liberty. Uh, That's what the British called them, were the black-robed regiment. Basically the the secret hand, the secret weapon of the American Revolution. Right, and the Catholic Church, not not specifically uh, about uh, temporal liberty, but has long referred to a part of itself as the church militant, which is the same kind of um, ethos that uh, the use of the term the Black Road Regiment uh, carries with it. The, the, again, it, our faith is an action word, okay? I mean, again, it, Christ is God incarnate. It is a bringing into the world. It is not just a meditation and that's clearly uh what paul is going after and i pray that his tree bears much fruit because we have very little time left well said that that's you know our hope ultimately individually and collectively is only in our savior yet at the same time and this is not a yet as in a but at the same time we are in dire, dire need. It, it's what, What's easier to find? An affordable house in America or a pastor willing to boldly pro- proclaim the word of God from the pulpit on a, on a regular basis? It's definitely the latter. You know, as scant as affordable housing is for most people uh, to be able to buy a house, it's, it's the latter. We are in need. We are in such dire need. Uh, for bold, boldly uh, proclaiming the word of God from the pulpits. And until that changes, until there is that newly formed black-robed regiment, we are still we are still going to just flounder, flounder and just be completely rudderless in this country, not only as believers, but of course the, the culture at large. Hour two, beginning with fake news or not, is next. And we are back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre. Let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, TikTok, and Instagram now as well. And then look for me at Real Steve Dace on Trump's Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace there. And then you can look for clips that are free to look at and then free of any censorship of the show. When you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show as well, that's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. For those of you that are podcast listeners, thank you very much. You are a big part of our audience. Last week, I think we had the highest 
iTunes ratings uh, for this show, or rankings, I should say, uh, for this show that uh, we've ever had, or at least that I've ever seen. Um, and you guys are a big part of that. We cannot thank you enough. So please keep those five-star reviews coming if you dig us and hit the subscribe and follow button as well. Thank you to all of you that have submitted those for the program. They are all very appreciated. This part of the program is brought to you by a new app available now in the uh, the App Store today, whether it's your Google Play Store or your Apple Store, and it's called Public SQ for Public Square. We're trying to help them uh, build the parallel economy in America and hopefully one day get to a place where anywhere you're going to, you're on the road, you're traveling, you're moving, you can just go to Public SQ and you can find the business that shares your values and make sure that you give them your money. And you can also get your business, uh, you can get it listed there as well. Uh, we're trying to form here the largest directory of liberty-loving businesses the nation has ever seen and connect freedom-loving Americans with the like-minded across the country to help build parallel economies in the community and business sectors as well. If you want to get the app, Find it today. Download it today. Again, it's called Public SQ for Public Square. Public SQ. That's what you are looking for. So, gentlemen, let's get to some fake news or not this week. And no clips this week. If You guys are okay with that. I want us to do a little bit more of a kind of panel roundtable kind of discussion. All right. So uh, earlier this year, I was asked to participate in a survey that Pew does every couple of years of the of journalists uh, media figures around the country uh, on the state of media and the state of journalism in, in general and this is the first time that pew has come to me and asked me if i would be willing to participate and as i went through the survey it dawned on me as i was answering their questions that i probably have a lot of the same answers as the corporate media people they're surveying, which I would guess would be the bulk of the survey sample because they're the bulk of media in America. But for, albeit, dramatically different reasons. And I want us to, first of all, before we get into the report itself, I want to discuss that premise. Do you think that's a fair assumption going in? That... We may have came up with the same answers, but for dramatically and 180 degree worldview and and perspective differences, which only further goes to reinforce the chasm here that we can come from the come to the same conclusion, but from entirely opposing premises. I think that absolutely makes sense, because what we're talking about with the corporate press is um, just an industry, if you can even call it that still, just an industry that is uh, completely given over, you know, completely given over to the spirit of the age. What happens? What's one of the first first things that happens when you start giving yourself over to the spirit of the age, just on a practical level? In um, in just your interactions, uh, your thoughts to yourself, your interactions with others. What's one of the first things that you lose? Self awareness. Yeah. Self awareness. Yeah. So I absolutely think that it is that it is not only plausible but likely that the answers were fairly similar. Your answers were fairly similar to that in the mainstream media, but because they lack all self-awareness, they're going to they're going to come up with all forms of fantastical reasons for why they came up with the answers that they gave. Todd, what do you think? Well, I'll be fascinated at the end of this 
if you found this to be useful because you couldn't have said what you just said without having first seen the questions and taken the answers because as we all know questions an entirely different slate of questions could have been written to try to get ostensibly to get to the same correct evaluation yeah but there is no way you would have said what you just said about us coming to likely conclusions because the questions would have i mean we we all know questions could have been asked to steve dace and to peyton lorenz that would have not had you on the same page correct so i again i come full circle the fact i'll be fascinated you see i can't tell right now from you whether you think this was going anywhere well a great example is if 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 you asked and is it Peyton or Taylor? Lorenz? Taylor, Taylor, I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I, don't, I never heard her name until like two weeks ago. So when she tried to dox libs of TikTok, the first time I heard of her. Because like most Americans, I've just, and that's another transition I made. I was I was one of the last holdouts in conservative media that would go on leg- legacy media shows, talk to legacy media people. I knew a lot of these people. Uh, I've mentioned before Dave Weigel, the Washington Post reporter who just got suspended for that joke, has been a guest in my home. Uh, because I had, you know, prior to the last few years, I'd be treated fairly, quoted fairly. And therefore I thought it was an opportunity for us to get our message into their venues if they were going to accurately portray and quote me that stopped. And so I stopped participating with them and I don't, I don't even follow what these guys write or say anymore, unless it is something of, of note that I see in my Twitter feed. Okay. So I didn't know who a Taylor Lorenz was until like two weeks ago. I'd never heard the name in my life. But if if this survey asked us a question, and it does, are you concerned about political sorting of information? Meaning people only accepting information on the basis of if it gives them confirmation of their of their biases going in. You know, what's it say over my shoulder here? Well, when it doesn't say fake news or not, what's it say on the other end of my shoulder here? Uh, truth be told. We, we're truth people. We're, we're, you know, I like the truth. And, and I don't like it when the truth goes against what I prefer to occur. But I like the truth more than what I prefer to occur because I'm, you know, not insane. And so I kind of think I need to know what reality is, right? I think Taylor Lorenz and I would both answer affirmatively that we are concerned. But we would do so. The question itself would not even have the same meaning to us. Meaning she would see my profession as as the distortion of this as the as the cause of this and i would see my profession as the reaction to what she and her peers already distorted and caused does that make sense yeah. that we we are providing a counter to the narrative and the propaganda that you guys had already given yourselves over to you're not meaning that you went from just bias to malfeasance you could be biased and have, you know, the premise of your article and its conclusion can affirm your premise and, and your preference, but be professional in between. Accurately quote people, get facts actually correct, right? Ask critical questions of both sides. They don't even do that anymore. It's just all narrative. And, and a great example of, of seeing this is what you saw, is what you've seen with the, the drug companies over the last couple of years. We're just literally just ripping and reading Pfizer and, and Moderna press releases as news now unskeptically the corporate america is greedy devils killing us all left-wing newsrooms just taking these trillion dollar conglomerates and their claims and their 
in their clinical trials that they, you know, you got to piece together because they don't want to show you transparently what's in there and just ripping and reading their press releases and putting it up on the front, you know, on their title pages and front page like it's news. Just, you know, hand to mouth. There's, there, that's what I mean by there, there is no, there's not even biased journalism happening there, right? So let's go through this survey. And I'm going, we're gonna, I want us to go through it in the wording that the survey provides. And then we'll pause and discuss at certain points, all right? So this is Pew, which within the, the secular world, I think, does about the best and most thorough job of examining beliefs and behaviors and, and, and you know, ideologies within the American people. From the economic upheaval of the digital age to the rise of political polarization in the COVID-19 pandemic... Journalism in America has been in a state of turmoil for decades. In a major new study, Pew Research shares journalists' perspectives about the news industry they work in and their relationship with the public they serve. While journalists recognize that many challenges face this industry, the Center's survey of nearly 12,000 working U.S.-based journalists finds that they continue to express a high degree of satisfaction in their jobs. Seven in 10 journalists say they are very or somewhat satisfied with their job. And 77% say they would pursue a career in journalism again. Let's pause right there. Do those numbers mean anything at all to you? There's quite a bit there, actually. Having actually been a newsroom uh, journalist in the past... And watched from the beginning of it when I came in like the year after Steve left. And I think Steve would agree with me. There was a lot of the the rot was already happening. But in terms of the the look of it, the staffing of it, we worked in a traditional newsroom. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was you had people covering all kinds of beats everywhere. It was well staffed. And then I was there for 12 years and saw it eroded over time. There is a, a genuine enjoyment of being a reporter as bad as and i was isolated in many ways and i had a lot of bad days because i was targeted but to get to learn about all kinds of ideas meet interesting people there is there was that even for me so if they're answering getting all these sporting events for free if you do that side of it there, there is stuff like you know but if you're a political wonk on that and that stuff. And I was, so even I enjoyed covering city council meetings and school board meetings and things like that. There's that, but there's also the, the, the ego of the expert and you are, you're tasked as a reporter who covers a lot of different things of becoming a pseudo expert in real time on a lot of different things. That's not easy to do. But for a lot of these reporters, and I got to know a lot of different ones, they lord that over people. Mm. They think that they are the special ones. They love being the one to craft the narrative in a way that makes them immune. Oh, yeah, and increasingly made them immune in terms of cor- to when early on, if you got a correction. That was a serious deal. Yes. Over to correction, what, whatever. They increasingly morphed it over time in terms of like, I, I'm bulletproof. You, you need to feed what I'm giving you. So this could mean multiple things depending on the reporter who's answering the question. For example, USA Today, where I used to be a contributor, not too many moons ago, 
USA Today just announced the firing of a reporter. I believe it was for 23 stories that were right. missourced or fabricated. You and I both have worked in newsrooms, newsroom cultures. We worked actually in the Gannett system, which is, you know, USA Today is the chief newspaper. Yeah. of. So we understand that culture. How, I mean, I've gone through the editing process at USA Today, guys. Okay. I mean, I, I, I know, you know, facts I had to verify, statistics I had to, I had to verify. So I, I have personally gone through the editing process at USA Today, and I did not find it to be lax. How is it possible that it took them 23 stories to realize that they were being had here by a fraud? And, and what is the, what explanation exists other than he was, the, the person was just giving them the narrative that they wanted. And so they, just like they do with the Pfizer and Moderna uh, rip and read, they just looked at it unskeptically, hand to mouth, and just ran with it. Here's how it's possible. For a long time, in fact, 22 stories worth, the juice was worth the squeeze. Mm. Because journalism isn't journalism as it, it was once uh, created. And it just finally... There was no more blood to squeeze from that turnip, and they had to go. But they got what they wanted. Trust me, it was no accident. So don't really think that 70-ish percent number is super accurate. I think it's it's significantly low. I think from the journalists journalists that I see, uh, they they would they would choose this again because the self copulation that they mm-hmm. get to yeah. experience and yeah. give themselves yeah. is just too good to imagine doing anything like coding. So yeah, uh, even <laughs> nice whether reference. it's whether it's uh, whether it's from uh, yes, I do this again because I like the self copulation or uh, just another form of that of. Uh, well, someone has to do it, and it must be me. That type of thing, that is rife within journalism these days. At the same time, we continue on with the report here. At the same time, when asked to describe their industry in a single word, nearly three-quarters of respondents, 72%, use a word with negative connotations. The most common are words that relate to struggling and chaos. The report also identifies several specific areas of concerns for journalists, including the future of press freedom, widespread misinformation, and politically like-minded people getting news from the same sources. See, I'm, I'm, I'm equally flummoxed by whether this is going to go anywhere because this entirely depends on the specific journalists and how they framed right. their so-called concerned. Was it- I'm concerned about those things too, which is why I yeah. went to work in this industry to counter that. Yes. Yes. I'm- but they would view us as the, they would view, they would view us as the yes. vehicle that, that is causing that because they no longer have as much right. singular control exactly. over the narrative as they used to. Right. All right. We continue. Just 14% of journalists surveyed say they think the U S public is a great deal or a fair amount of trust in the information it gets from news organizations these days. Most believe that Americans as a whole have some trust, 44%, or little to no trust, 42%. When a similar question was posed to the American public, however, 29% of U.S. adults say they have at least a fair amount of trust in the information they get from news outlets, while 27% say they have some, and 44% uh, have little to no trust. This is actually claiming... That journalists believe there is that there is even more skepticism about them in the public than what the public itself is telling Pew. You buy that? Yeah. Yeah, I totally buy that. And I'll tell you why. And I agree with Todd. You know, there's no way to, to know that the, the motivation for these answers. But I'll tell you why. It's because of uh, fill-in-the-blank uh, disinformation spreaders at Facebook. You know, the left, the, the hard left, 
They hate Facebook because they think Facebook's not left-wing enough. They hate Facebook. They, they're in favor of raking it up, well, doing whatever they can to uh, get garner more power. They totally believe, they totally believe that us rubes out here in the cheap seats uh, don't think like they think, that they don't think that avocado ch- uh, toast uh, designed specifically for Muslim, atheist, vegan, pansexual lizard people is the best thing since, you know, sliced. They don't they believe that because uh, X, Y, Z spreaders of disinformation mm-hmm. uh, uh, have way too much power. Yeah, well, t- I, I, this is Principal Chalmers. It's the children who are the problem. They're yeah. telling you we hate we hate the people more than the people even hate us right now, which is actually mm. some refreshing honesty. That's what you're seeing right there. It took me a while to think about it, but that's exactly what that is. Hmm. That. That was something there. About 7 in 10 journalists, 71%, say made-up news and information is a very big problem for the country, higher than the 50% of U.S. adults who say the same. Rectify those two. That's what I just said. It's it's everybody else's problem but us. We we don't have to change. The 50% of U.S. adults, I think, can just be explained by I go for confirmation instead of information. So if I'm, if, you know, if I'm the half of the country that's balkanized one way, Joy Reid's telling me the truth. If I'm the half of the country that's balkanized the other way, Steve Dace is telling me the truth. And if the hack of half the country that's balkanized the other way, there's no amount of data mm-hmm. that Steve Dace could ever show me he lies. Like that number makes sense to me. Okay. We don't need that pew to do this. You just described human nature. Yes. What I find fascinating, and it goes back to what you said at the end there, though, is that they think it's an even bigger problem. And this is now where we get into... Do you care so much about the accuracy of the information or the fact that you've lost control over the flow of information? Right? Yeah. Yeah. If they were really concerned about ostensibly what this is all about, instantly, right away, they would have more diverse newsrooms of every single kind. Here's an interesting ratio. When asked about the best newsroom approach to coverage of a false statement made by a public figure, far more journalists say news organizations should, quote, report on the statement because it is important for the public to know about, than, quote, not report on the statement because it gives attention to the falsehoods and the public figure, meaning memory hole it, all right? So 64% said you should absolutely report on the public statements that are false made by a public figure. 32% said not to. Now, I distinctly remember when I got this question, I think this survey was taken in February or March. I wasn't sure how to answer this one. And I think I might have left it blank because I took this question to be specifically targeted at Donald Trump and not a generic question about what's the best policy here. Right. So what do you guys think? I think the reason why you see the split like it is, is because. Uh, journalists are always are always caught in between a rock and a hard place. Should we just memory hole this or distort the hell out of this? Mm-hmm. That's basically what the mm-hmm. answer is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that statistic. Um, I'm doing my best, Ron Burgundy. You're lying. Um, <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. Three quarters of journalists say they largely agree on the basic facts of the news. Get this, though, but a majority, 52%, say it is not possible to report news that nearly everyone finds accurate. This sounds like the type of response 
from a group of people that don't even know what a woman is. Yeah, I mean, how are those two numbers? Yes. How do those rectify a reconcilable? Sorry, I almost gave a Lindsey Graham shout out there with rectify. But uh, I mean, how are those two numbers reconcilable? Shouldn't, if anything, shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't it, shouldn't it be the other way around that it's harder for us to, to, that fewer journalists agree on what the basic facts are? You see what I'm saying? How is it possible that, the, that three quarters of them believe they agree on the basic facts, but a majority of them think you cannot report those facts in a way that a majority of the country would view as fair and balanced? How's that possible? They're doing to us with this whole poll what journalism does to us on a regular basis. It's they're ju- they're jump. It's like you said. You don't even know what Aaron said. Don't even know what a, a woman is. They, this is a kiddie pool. It's not that deep. There's not that much water in it. And they're going. We're really going to plumb the depths here and figure it out. There's no depths. None. This next part is maybe my favorite of this survey. All right. Roughly eight in ten journalists, eighty-two percent say that they should keep their views out of what they report on, although there is less agreement amongst them over whether journalists meet this standard. Just over half, 53%, say that journalists are largely able to keep their views out of their reporting, while 43% say they are often unable to. All right, And that goes along with this number. A majority of journalists, 55%, say that every side does not always deserve equal coverage a majority say that uh, that every side does not always deserve equal coverage now i actually answered that every side doesn't deserve equal coverage in what i what i what i answered like i don't believe nambla deserves equal coverage this gets back to what i started this with though yeah. So the premise that I answered this question with is probably a lot different than what a lot of other people, the premise that they use to answer this. They're thinking we don't deserve extra coverage or equal coverage. You're all racist, misogynist, eczemophobic, homophobic bigots. Like, I don't believe John Wayne Gacy deserves equal coverage. I don't believe Muhammad Atta deserves equal coverage. I don't believe the Evaldi Police Department deserves equal coverage. But... I'm guessing that who that applies to, from my perspective, is a hell of a lot different than the majority that are answering this majority. Majority uh, that it's okay. You don't even need to guess. They tell you all the time if you if you don't believe in climate change, you don't Correct. deserve equal. They say this. In fact, they didn't. I believe didn't meet the press make an announcement along yes. these lines like a year or two ago yes. that they would stop providing coverage of the other side on climate change. Right. And this whole thing applies to your thing. If they, if this is the you said this multiple times lately about data. If this is what they're actually reporting, how bad do you think it really is, Steve? It's way worse. It's way worse than any of these numbers are showing. All right, we got to throw this in there. Two thirds say their organization has achieved sufficient gender diversity. Sixty-seven percent. About half as many. Thirty-two percent says it has reached sufficient racial and ethnic diversity. So when I was asked these questions, I gave the blaze outstanding <laughs> marks on racial and gender diversity because I don't care. But would you like to know what diversity we were not asked about? And I'm reminded of when they had me on the news hour on PBS the, the night after the 2016 election. 
and they wanted to, they asked, hey, how did we miss this? And I said, how, remember the questions I asked yeah. them? How many people in right. your newsroom go to church on a regular basis? I know. How many people in your newsrooms are pro-life? Where is your intellectual right. diversity? The idea that people are merely constructs of the color of their skin or the, 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 the equipment between their legs, that they are not individuals with their own individual ideas and their own individual thoughts that cannot move beyond your imposed constructs. Um, that doesn't mean that there's not certain things that are innately different about the experience of being black in America compared to being white or certainly between male and female, but those are often the things they want to overlook and pretend that aren't there and then impose these false constructs of things that they think are there but really are not while overlooking the most important diversity, which is the diversity of thought since what you're communicating are thoughts. Here's how serious, and this is a good place to wind up. Mm -hmm. Here's how serious what you just said is. If it were anywhere close to resembling and answering the question legitimately uh, that you just put forward, mm -hmm. any close to going in that direction and getting fixed, what happened to Donald Trump over the course of his presidency would have been impossible. A narrative was created that had nothing to do with reality, right. and it depends entirely. Meaning that after the election, they did spend a few days doing self-reflection. Yeah. That's why they were inviting people like me on. Mm -hmm. But then after the oath of office, they completely abandoned that and just went, they dialed it up to 17, basically. Because they decided collectively, we're going to assassinate Donald Trump. Yes. That was their goal. And it cost them whatever remaining credibility they but had in the them, process. Because it's what it is, a religion, it was worth it. Mm. No, it, that's that's what this that's what this absolutely says. Not to say that we are, you know, uh, we're 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 not perfect either. But this is the upside down version. Uh, just kind of bringing this full circle. They come to the same conclusions for 180 degree opposite reasons. And the sooner we start saying instead of 180 degree opposite reasons. Until we start understanding that they are the wrong reasons and that as fail as we might or uh, haphazardly as we might, we are coming to the conclusions for the right reasons. As soon as we start to figure that out, we will start to figure out again or at least be reminded again that this is mano y mano. It's a steel cage match. These people have no interest sharing a country with you. And you, if you're being honest with yourself, have no interest sharing a country <laughs> with people like this as well. That's not a necessarily a pluralistic vision of a utopian future, but that's the reality. Mm. Fake News or Not brought to you by Built Bar, the absolute greatest protein bar of all time. It'd been about a week or so since I busted out the brownie batter puff. I did that after my workout today. Absolutely still spectacular still waiting for my mud pie puffs to arrive so i can try those on for size the newest flavor that they have right now for a limited time if you're a chocoholic like me that'll be right up your alley these are the best protein bars ever loaded with flavor all covered in real chocolate loaded with protein but not loaded with calories carbs grams of sugar you won't believe something this healthy tastes this good don't just take my word for it. Try it yourself by going to built.com. B-U-I-L-T is the website, built.com for Built Bar. And use my promo code, last name Dace, D-E-A-C-E, at checkout to get 15% off your order. 
whether it's your first or next or next, next, next. When again, you go to built.com for built bar promo code days to get 15% off. All right. When we come back here for pop culture Tuesday, we're going to look at the lack of success for Buzz Lightyear, the first Pixar movie released in theaters in three years, exclusively in theaters in three years. And with the branding of the most successful franchise of family movies of all time, why did it fall short? And what does it mean for Disney in the future? We'll get into that and more here when we come back. So I had previously mentioned I had put uh, Eden Pure's filterless air purifier to the test with a daily working out off-season football strength and conditioning teenage son in the home, right? Last night, folks. Last night, we went next level. Last night was our monthly poker game at the house, all right? And we have we have one member long-standing member of our monthly poker gathering and I don't want to out him uh on a on a national show but his name is Mike and uh Mike will lift a cheek and raw sewage will come out literally and it's just vile so straight up last night we set Mike at the opposite end of the the far end of the poker table and we plugged the Eden Pure air purifier into the outlet right next to where he was sitting and oh by the way the guy who wins has to bring well refreshments for the next round you, so you you have you get back some of your winnings by buying the you know the the food and 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 beverages for everybody the next month all right and so the guy who won last month, this month, he brought homemade pork and beans. See where this is going? Yeah, it's not hard to connect the yeah, dots. Yeah, it's this. not. It's not, right. But I got to tell you, man, last night was the absolute best smelling poker game we've ever had. I, I, I couldn't believe it. The, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier it absolutely filtered out essence of Mike last night. I mean, I just, and everybody knows a Mike. Everybody knows a Mike. And you just, I, I could not have been more impressed with how that went last night, guys. It stood the test. And that's why you want to take advantage of uh, Eden Pure right now. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, E-D-E-N. Get three units for under 200 bucks. That's $200 in savings. When you use the discount code Steve3, they come in packs of three. So use the discount code Steve3 and get three units. Shipping is free too. And did I mention filterless? So you're not constantly refilling these out of your own pocket all the time. They're filterless. Shipping is free. Save 200 bucks. Get three units for 200 bucks with the code Steve3 at EdenPureDeals.com because if it can filter out the flatulence of Mike on Poker Night, I'm pretty confident that just about anything your home has, other than like black mold that would get it condemned, anything short of that, it's going to stand the test of your home too, all right? So again, that is uh, EdenPureDeals.com, code Steve3 for $200 off and free shipping.
All right, let's get to some Pop Culture Tuesday, gentlemen. And over the weekend, Buzz Lightyear was released after a year of hype. And it is the latest offering from what is the most successful franchise of children's movies of all time, the Toy Story franchise. And maybe this is its most popular character. If not, it's certainly its second most popular character. And yet, despite, um, you know, dis- despite the ability to gravy train off of that, the coattails that you would get to ride being part of Toy Story and one of its signature characters, one of the biggest stars in the world right now, Chris Evans, is the voice of a younger Buzz Lightyear as opposed to Tim Allen, who, of course, voiced it all of our lives. And the fact that it was scorching hot in much of America last week, so hot, in fact, again, sheep and cows just rolling over and dying right on the spot spontaneously. You'd think you'd be looking to get indoors into, a, into an air-conditioned theater. And, and don't blame COVID because the, chil- the family films have been doing great when released in theaters post-COVID. This is the most bankable name in children's movie uh, production, Disney and Pixar. It's the first exclusive theatrical release for Disney Pixar since pre-COVID 2019. And oh, did I mention it was Father's Day weekend. So Buzz Lightyear, Dads, Scorching Heat, Toy Story franchise. This thing should have been an easy number one at the box office, and it's not. Buzz Lightyear finished number two, and it already had a projection that was about eh, 30, 40% lower than Toy Story 4 opened with a couple of years ago. So the projections were already a little meh, but they weren't this meh. It didn't come close to a $70 million opening, opened in the $50 million domestic instead. And that has everybody, of course, wondering why while skipping over the most obvious answer. The most obvious answer, and we all know what it is, is twofold. One, Disney's reputation has been tarnished by going full groomer. In fact, I want to make sure I give credit here. Clay Travis at OutKick reported this earlier today. Disney's stock devaluation has now reached the same share price, $94 a share, that it had in January of 2015. Pre-cord cutting, pre-controversy, pre-Trump. Disney has lost so much stock value, it is now trading as of opening this morning at its January 2015 levels. That's seven and a half years of stock devaluation Disney has lost here. And you would think that if this was just a pander, like most of, frankly, what Pride Month is, is just a pander, right? Mm-hmm. My favorite my favorite Pride Month meme I've seen is the one with what's-his-face from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies who plays um, the Green Goblin. Can't remember the actor's name. William Defoe. Oh, yeah. William, Willem Defoe, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And when he says to Peter, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Yeah. And this when he says, you know, I'm something of a homosexual myself. <laughs> All right. I mean, I love that meme. <laughs> and that's that's that is, I would guess, at least 75 percent of what's going on right now yes. to nauseate you. It's, this is just a straight up pander, straight up virtue signal. Me too. Don't ratio me. It, it was your it was Hy-Vee grocery stores here locally during the BLM riots 
one day in the middle of them just putting a giant <laughs> BLM flag yeah. on their marquee as basically begging you don't. Passover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, you put the blood on the door. Yes. All right, so most of this is a pander, which is why when July 1 rolls around, we're not going to hear about most of this from most of these companies after this is over, right? Most of it's just a straight-up pander. Here's how you can tell it's not for Disney. Because if it was a pander, market forces, the natural laws of economics and politics, eventually, guys, you would reach the point of diminishing returns here and say, okay. Well, frankly, what Netflix did a couple months ago and was like, yeah, we got to tap out. <laughs> All right. So we're going to cancel Meghan Markle. We're canceling Obama's. And uh, I'll go ahead and pay Dave Chappelle some more money because we are, you know, screwed and tattooed here. We can't sustain this. Not Disney. Doubling down, tripling down. Imagine you, you own two properties. One of them was called Miss Marvel and the other was called Darth Vader. And you had the ability to invest tens of millions of dollars in producing long-form episodic television series that you could exclusively only get by subscribing to your streaming platform based on the backstory of one of these two characters. Who in their right minds, in their right minds, if this was just about capitalism, would say, you know what? We'll just take the most profitable known villain in the history of pop culture and make him a bit player, and let's do Miss Marvel instead. No one makes decisions like that, guys, on a pander. Disney's losing its earths on Miss Marvel. It's its least watched show by far so far on Disney+. Plus. It's a character nobody knows. It's a teenage Muslim girl superhero that is frankly irrelevant in the larger grand scheme of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so nobody cares. Meanwhile, you've got Darth Vader on the Obi-Wan Kenobi show for like six minutes an episode when he's only, again, the most bankable villain in the history of, 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 of pop culture. You don't make decisions like, see, that's the stuff we thought when Disney bought this from Lucas, they would make, the, they would just go full print the money. Don't you wish they would have actually done what we all, we all feared now? Don't you wish they would have done that? Instead, they didn't. They just went, they went full groomer. They, they've got a narrative to uphold now. And so they took they originally took the same sex, the lesbian kiss out of Buzz Lightyear because they're like, well, most of the countries in the world don't want to see that. And most parents don't want their kids to see that. And then they got punked by Ron DeSantis and said, hey, you can't punk us. We're going to punk ourselves. They put it back in and it's literally cost them untold tens of millions of dollars. The, the, the movie's been banned in at least 14 countries. It, it was unsuccessful. By Pixar standards at the box office this weekend. You don't make decisions like this, guys, if it's a pander. You don't. Eventually, you reach a tap out moment. You just kind of, you know, like Netflix didn't put like a press release and say, we're, we're done with woke guys. Because they, they couldn't take that hit too, right? But they just kind of quietly did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, eventually, you, you Homer Simpson gift this thing. You just kind of sneak into the bushes and move on. And act like this never happened. They're not going to do that at Disney. Disney is a key trophy for the spirit of the age to wield against us. And so this is religious level conviction here. And I think we just have to come to grips with that. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I think that's a prescient observation. 
you know, I, I to the extent that Netflix is kind of Homer Simpson, uh, Simpson giving uh, back, you know, we still have to take stock of of where we are. Still have to take stock of where we are. A win for us. A win for us these days in the year 2022 is that all of these companies throwing the proverbial rainbows in our face for an entire month of the year, just being performative, virtue signaling, pass over our our house, please do not kill us. That's a win for us in the year 2022. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And I know you. I'm not rebuking or contradicting anything that you've said but that's kind of like a win for us and it kind of is a win for us that you know it's just performative they're not really completely given over into the spirit of the age disney on the other hand has shown itself because of the instantaneous the instantaneous uh sessions and the panels that they had intra-company Talking about the virtues of all things, all things rainbow nationalism, which uh, is a term I think we should use more and more frequently. I think it was penned by Delano Squires, Billy TV uh, contributor, contributor. But this rainbow nationalism, they doubled and tripled and quadrupled down term, instantaneously, yeah. instantaneously after the Florida pushback. They will transform that thing. If you're from the Midwest around the uh, around Iowa, they will transform. They will, will they will take it full lion's den. If you get the uh, reference, mm-hmm. they will take it full lion's den or romantics. They will turn it into a an adult themed store if that's what it takes and crash and burn it. I think they've already shown you they're willing to do that. So Twitter announces today, Todd. By unanimous vote, its board will accept Elon Musk's offer. Why would it? Why did it accept its offer? Because, as we talked about at the time, if Twitter's board had chosen the agenda over an offer that generous, they were looking at mm-hmm. legions of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Whose stock is more valuable, Disney's or Twitter's? It's Disney, and it's not Disney's, even close. Yeah, and it's yeah. not even close. It's not even close. At what point do Disney shareholders say, you know what? We're going to call in some legal counsel here, okay? We're, we're making Miss Marvel instead of Darth mm-hmm. Vader. We're putting lesbian kisses in to Buzz Lightyear. What are we? What are we doing here? What? How does How does Buzz Lightyear make fifty million in a weekend? Horror, some, some dude. There are horror films that can pull in fifty million in a weekend that have limited audiences because of the content. Buzz Lightyear can't make seventy five, eighty, a hundred million dollars in a weekend over Father's Day. And it's the first Pixar movie in three years. What are the decisions we're making here? This is malfeasance on the enti- by the by from a corporate entity yes. against its own shareholders. It is. I agree, and I'd like to be optimistic about this. It does confirm my when we went back about what to do about Disney. You and I ended up on slightly different sides. I don't think one can coexist with the other. You, you really wanted to hammer. Uh, uh, go go after the investors, the stock side. I I'm more about uh, uh, making sure some level of boycott happen. I see this on some level as a boycott, but I don't think either one of those can exist long term without the other. Short term, they can, but they both feed off of one uh, at another. At this point, I, if you're dealing with this level of, yeah, because you need there the business needs to be harmed enough by these decisions yes. that now the shareholders step in and say, okay, now. It was easier or maybe simpler with Elon because there was an offer on the table that concretely showed 
that the board would choose agenda over profit. You right. know what I'm saying? Okay. Right. It's harder to paint that it, line. It's harder to paint that line without an offer for Disney, unless, unless to what your point just made that Todd just made, Aaron, unless you have a string of, of, of failures. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you have a string of failures, like if you're sitting here at the end of this year and your stock is now devalued mm-hmm. to where it was in 2014, pre, you know, pre-COVID, pre-Disney Plus, pre The Last Jedi and all those, con- you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're out of excuses, therefore, to your shareholders. So then the question becomes much more obvious. What are we doing here? But that critical mass probably hasn't been reached quite yet. Like it was when Elon Musk went to Twitter and said, here's $44 billion, take it or leave it. And that, that you know, well, that made stuff real, real quick. That critical mass is the whole ballgame, whether we're talking about this with Disney, whether we're talking about Pfizer, ultimately we, we, we've talked about how we keep getting screwed with our pants on, but there's never any consequences. What you mentioned with Musk is there were going to be consequences, unavoidable consequences. Mm-hmm. There should be unavoidable consequences writ large across this fruited plane before we have no damn fruit left. There will be at some point a critical mass here. So again, Musk can bring it to a head when he says, I'm going to put an offer on the table worth more than your current stock price. Take it or leave it. And that instantly is like, we have no way out here. Your stock's already devalued to where it was seven and a half years ago. Um, there, then there will be a depreciation point where your shareholders will say, okay, what, what's going on? What, what, what is the point of this? What? And and that that isn't reached yet. That isn't reached yet. Which is amazing, considering the stat you just said about seven years worth of law. Or what? How and is there that? when is there not some biblical symbolism yeah. there, right? But there 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 is a point where, to your strategy, and this is where your suggestion of symbi of symbiosis here, one plays to the other. That enough of these losses. And they string together long enough and the stock price devalues hard enough that eventually people are like, hey, I'm not in on this. I just, I'm in on the investment and this ain't right. We're going to stick around and record overtime for Blaze TV subscribers for the rest of you. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.